Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. My name is Craig Bolger and I'm joined by Jalen Avila and Michael Pratt. Hi. Before we dive into our article, which is ultrasound guided trigger point injections, which I know you're all on pins and needles, no pun intended. Very funny. (laughs) We are going to hear about a really interesting case report on flank pain and how ultrasound helped get us to a rare diagnosis. Yeah, this is a really cool case. It is in the Asian Journal of Surgery and is entitled Iliopsoas Abscess Diagnosed by Point of Care Ultrasound. And it is a case in which they, as you may have guessed, they diagnosed an iliopsoas abscess. So this was a 43-year-old female with left flank pain for a month. They did an ultrasound of the left perirenal space and they showed a gas-containing pocket, which turned out was an iliopsoas muscle abscess. So they got a CT scan, confirmed it. And it was kind of nice because this is somebody who may have had a delay in the diagnosis without it. And I haven't diagnosed a whole lot of iliopsoas abscesses in my uh, career so far. So kind of cool to see this. I think it's neat, too, that there is more and more stuff about the retroperitoneal area Mm -hmm. with ultrasound. You know, like you can sometimes pick up retroperitoneal hemorrhages. Now we're talking about psoas stuff. So I just think it's good to keep your eyes peeled when you're looking around the kidney. If you're suspicious for anything back there, looking for blood or these abscess pockets, I kind of doubt it's going to be like that accurate for it. But once in a while, maybe you could save the day. I agree. The RP space is kind of the bottom of the ocean. And now we're like exploring it. Okay. So our article is ultrasound guided trigger point injections for the treatment of neck and back pain in the emergency department, a randomized trial by Faro et al. from Mount Sinai in Miami, Florida. And we're going to let Mike tell us a little bit about this because back pain is a pain in the back for all of us in the emergency department and often a point of frustration for a lot of our patients. Now, this is a rad study because I like people that do really well-performed studies with good methodology for things that some people might think, you know, they're not that big a deal. You know, like cardiac arrest research versus like musculoskeletal back pain research. There are different types of people doing that research. But I, for one, am someone who really appreciates people that look into these issues issues that are everyday types of things. They can actually change many patients' care. So I was really interested in this because we know that people that come in with back pain, sometimes those can be really unrewarding, both for the doctor and for the patients. The doctor's like, I'm sorry, I know you've already tried Tylenol and ibuprofen and lidocaine patches, but you know that's all we're going to do for you here. It's probably just going to be a while before you feel good. Patients are like, I just was in the waiting room for 10 hours. Can't believe you're telling me this. And everyone feels kind of sad. But trigger point injections, have actually been really successful for me. And I think it is something that we can do. It's really helpful. So I was super interested in this idea of using ultrasound to guide your trigger point injection. I had never heard of that before. It sounds bizarre, but interesting. And I would be really excited if someone told me that was a new cool thing that really helped a lot of patients. So this article asks the question, does an ultrasound guided trigger point injection treat pain from myofascial pain syndrome better than standard medications. And they were focusing on comparing it to NSAIDs plus muscle relaxants. And they did a nice job about discussing
discussing how they defined myofascial pain syndrome. And to just get to the point of it, it's basically if they had tenderness somewhere around their neck or back associated with this type of pain. So why don't we get into how they did this study? All right. This is adults. So 18 or older, they have to be in the emergency department. They have to have this myofascial pain syndrome, which as Mike said, they defined really well. So point tenderness, the patient has to acknowledge that that point tenderness is the source of their pain, which I think is important. And then they have to have three of the four inclusion criteria. And I think they did a really good job designing the study from that standpoint. Like it wasn't just all back pain people. So muscle stiffness or spasm, limited range of motion, pain worse with stress or movement and palpation of an actual spastic area. So either a tender band or a nodule. They excluded pregnant people, incarcerated patients, patients with fever, any reason why they could not do the injection. So open wounds, infection, allergy to the medications or any coagulopathy. So Jalen, tell us a little bit about what the actual study included. Now, as far as design, I really want to give like a super duper shout out to Rob Faro and also Jackie Faro, who they're both on this study. And of course, everybody else involved in this study is all great. It was a single centered, open label, randomized controlled trial. It was a convenient sample, as most of these are. And they randomly allocated patients to get the ultrasound guided trigger point injection or standard medications in a one to one ratio. The standard medications, by the way, were essentially whatever people wanted. Most of the medications ended up being a NSAIDs with some kind of uh, muscle relaxer, but it was really like whatever they wanted. And then the trigger point injection was basically they palpated. So this is a little different. I guess that you can actually diagnose or identify the actual trigger point with ultrasound. They didn't do this. They just basically pressed in the area of pain until they identified the location that when they press it, they gave the patient the most pain. They marked it. And then with ultrasound, they actually, in the long axis, they identified that needle going into the muscle belly itself and injected a certain amount of bupivacaine. They used 0.25% bupivacaine and they put a maximum of five mLs of that 0.25 bupivacaine in each site with a total limit of two milligrams per kilogram. They actually were able to do rescue therapy and it could be given 15 minutes after each treatment. So it was a bit of crossover there. With regards to their primary outcome, they were looking for reduction in the visual analog scale, the 100 mm visual analog scale at time of discharge, comparing the two groups. Their secondary outcomes were reduction in mean pain scores at first assessment, rate of rescue medication use, ED length of stay, and rate of administration. They also compared the ultrasound guided trigger point injection to all medications plus the muscle relaxers. So you may be asking yourself at this point, who was doing these ultrasounds? Well, actually, it was emergency medicine residents and attending physicians, but it turns out a lot of these were done by the residents. Now, one of the attendings had completed an emergency ultrasound fellowship and one had done a sports medicine fellowship, and they all had completed a training in both myofascial pain syndrome and ultrasound guided trigger point injections. It's about a 60 minute training session, which was a little bit didactic, a little bit hands on practice. And they had this resource posted on a website so that they could get some just in time teaching anytime they're considering doing this. Now, we talked a little bit about how they actually performed this. They're using their linear probe. They're going to identify the trigger point, not by ultrasound, but by palpation. Then once they find that area, they put the transducer over that spot. Now, if you can picture any sort of soft tissue scan, you're seeing lots of like 
muscle and fascial planes, subcutaneous tissue. When reading the paper, I was a little bit unclear. Did they inject just into the muscle? Did they inject in between muscles trying to target these planes? And fortunately, because Rob is a friend of the show, we found out that the main way they did this is to inject into the muscle belly. So you're using the ultrasound, find those muscles, whatever they may be, maybe there's multiple ones, and you're just trying to get that anesthetic inside those muscles. And what they did was they, using an in-plane needle guidance, much like you're doing like a plane block for regional anesthesia, they were injecting this bupivacaine into the muscle belly. So they're going right into that muscle because they suspect that's part of the pain. And that's why it's important that they had that max of five mLs because you could imagine you could, could dump a lot of anesthetic in there if you're targeting all these different locations. So they, they played it safe. I appreciate that whenever you're using any sort of local anesthetic, make sure you know the max dose that you can use so you don't get yourself into trouble. So they had 196 patients, 96 got the standard medications and 100 got the trigger point injections. The main modality of medication was muscle relaxers and NSAIDs. As we talked about, other medications that were used were some benzodiazepines. There were some patients who received steroids, acetaminophen and opioids at provider discretion. As we talked about, they didn't force any providers to give a standard treatment in the other arm. There was overall no significant difference in pain scores. About half the patients who got trigger point injections did require rescue treatment, if you will, with muscle relaxers, NSAIDs, opioids, etc. Their primary outcome, reduction in pain at discharge. How did we do? So there was a 45 millimeter reduction on the visual analog pain scale. with trigger point injections. And I guess, unfortunately for ultrasound, there was a 49.9 millimeter reduction with standard treatment, NSAIDs and muscle relaxers. There was not a significant p-value associated with this. So while that there was a difference between the two, it wasn't significant. The initial reassessment did have a statistically significant reduction with the trigger point injections. So on that first reassessment, prior to them going home, there was a 36.4 millimeter trigger point injection reduction in the visual analog pain scale, and it was only 25.7 with standard treatment. As we talked about before, about 45% of the patients who got trigger point did need additional medication. However, 62.5% of the standard treatment also needed rescue meds. So I think that's a really important point that none of these patients were better with the first round of anything, which I think probably correlates for those of us who've seen these patients. It's probably consistent with your anecdotal experience. Length of stay was reduced, though not statistically significant, by about 20 minutes with the trigger point injection group. I've probably told you guys before, when I'm reading a paper, I think of it kind of like a mystery story. And I'm trying to figure out what's the ending and does it make sense? What are the clues you're picking up to see if this logically follows from what they're putting into it? And so this is an especially fun thing where you get one thing that's not significant, one thing that is significant, and you're trying to put it together. Like, how can this be? Why would trigger point help you more at their first reassessment, but then by the time they're being discharged, be not any better? And that's a really interesting thing to think about. And I think, Cray, the best I could come up with was the important important point that you mentioned, which was how much they're getting this rescue therapy. Because if you're going by discharge, you got to include what happened afterwards. And interestingly, in the trigger point injection category, that group of patients got rescued most commonly, I think, with medications. But the patients that got meds first, 
first got rescued with trigger point injections. So this type of crossover, like 63% of their patients in the medication group ended up getting trigger point injections. And presumably they got injections at a later time. I mean, it must have been at a later time. So maybe that influenced what their pain was by the time it was they were up for discharge. So that's a little bit confusing. But I would say that to me, this this makes me think I'm not going to throw out these trigger point injections yet because there's there's a little bit of convolution to this this interpretation and maybe they they still would work. Yeah, I agree. Again, this is one of those tools near quiver type of situation, right? To me, the fact that like there was not a big difference shows me that it's almost like to me, it's a a non-inferiority study, right? In patients in whom you don't want to give more medications or they say, I already tried Motrin at home, I want something else, that this is equivalent to giving them an opiate, for instance. And so that part of it, I like, yeah, this is a little more involved, but it probably has less side effects than giving somebody, you know, opiates or NSAIDs if they are, you know, for whatever reason, have some contraindication to NSAIDs. I entirely agree with that assessment as well. I mean, this was a nice study. They randomized, they controlled it, they had a a very reasonable training regimen for everybody. They compared it to what a lot of us are probably doing in standard treatment. I mean, they included like all sorts of medications. And we should say that they also did do other analyses to compare not just NSAIDs and muscle relaxants, but if they got any sort of medicine compared to trigger point injections. And those findings were all very similar across the board. So the NSAID plus muscle relaxant was a very representative group of the medication group as a whole. Since this is kind of a new idea, it would have been cool to compare the ultrasound guidance to traditional landmark-based trigger point injections. Like, I want to know if using your ultrasound actually makes the trigger point injection more effective. And that wasn't obviously covered in this in this paper. Okay, so last thought on this one is that maybe the population they included, which they did such a nice job defining, maybe it was like a little too broad because even though I use trigger point injections all the time, I don't use them on everybody. I kind of feel out that patient. Do I think this is going to be someone that would benefit from it. So again, it comes down to the population. Maybe if we could find a little more focused, targeted population where we think this person, maybe trigger point injections are going to work a little bit better than medicines. Or, you know, you could always use both. Why not? If this person has myofascial pain syndrome, I don't think it's a stretch to say you could easily give them some NSAIDs, mm-hmm. do a trigger point injection, and then you get the, the benefit of both options. Multimodal, baby. All right, so let me summarize this study. This was a randomized trial, 196 emergency department patients with myofascial pain in their neck and back. There was no significant difference in improvement in pain at the time of discharge between the groups that received ultrasound-guided trigger point injections and those that received NSAIDs and muscle relaxants. There was a greater improvement of the trigger point injection group at the time of first reassessment, and also less rescue medications were needed in that group. No significant difference in their length of stay. So take home points from this article. In this well-done, randomized controlled trial, there was no difference in pain reduction at the time of discharge between trigger point injections guided by ultrasound and the NSAIDs plus muscle relaxant group. Trigger point injections may achieve relief earlier and require less rescue therapy. And these trigger point injections do appear safe and effective based on this pretty limited data. So overall, we love this study. Shout out to our friends who did it. And thanks for doing this hard work to bring our care to a better place place. And thank you, audience member. Yes, you. We appreciate you listening to our podcast time and time again. We look forward to many more episodes. Until the next one, we will talk to you later. More. Pressure. More. Down. More. Pressure. More.
All right, that's a wrap.